introducing Mr. Kawada himself, my dad. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, this is Quantum of History. I am your host, Donnie Waldron. Welcome to another episode. This is going to be a reflection of no time to die. The much anticipated, much discussed, much debated 25th movie of the Brown franchise, Daniel Craig's last, and it divided the Bond community, I think, more than any other film has ever done. And it's been almost a year, and let's look back, because there's been a lot of new movies that have come out, a lot of new summer blockbusters. 22 has actually been revival of the blockbuster. So it's exciting, and it's kind of time to reflect on how we've had a year to digest. We've had a year to digest the film. It's come out on DVD. We've been able to rewatch it now a couple times. And what does it mean? Does it hold up? What are your reflections and what do you see as No Time to Die? Where does it stand in the pantheon of the Bond films? We're going to go about this in three different ways. We're going to talk about what's gotten better, what has stayed the same, and what's gotten worse. And then just some final overall thoughts about what No Time to Die has meant and what it kind of feels for me going forward and what I the whole feel of No Time to Die has for me personally. Start with what's gotten better. For me, the score. When I first heard the score before itself, before seeing the movie, I was like, oh, this is this is very good, but I don't know if it, it quite hits me yet. And I absorbed it, and I literally have listened to it every day. I put it on whenever I have to read, whenever I have to write things, whenever I have to do homework, whatever I had to do. It was always on, and it's my go-to score now. I actually it has grown way up in my ranking. I love the score. I love Matera. I love basically every single every single piece of music on there. The Final Ascent is a beautiful piece of music, and it just, I actually really enjoy the score. So that has gone up. And when I first started listening to it, it was very good. Now it's excellent. I literally listen to it every day um, because I have to read every day, and it's always my studying, my reading, my doing things. That's, that's my background music. So the score has gone way up for me. The opening sequence remains strong. I think that the whole Matera scene is the strongest part of No Time to Die. That's actually gotten better. You know, I watched that, and especially the the scene in the the DB5 with the with the shotgun coming, that whole scene, that stays strong. It's probably gotten a little better for me. And Anna de Armas, she just keeps getting better. You see her in more and more stuff. You're like, God, this she is fantastic in this movie. She's the bright spot, and the only thing that the only thing that hurts her is that she's not in the movie nearly enough. She was amazing in the film. She was charming. She was gorgeous. She was sexy. She was everything you want your Bond girl to be. The only problem with it is that she wasn't in it long enough. So those are the three things in the movie that have gone up for me, that have that have gotten better uh, over the last year since No Time to Die has been released. What stayed the same? For me, the supporting cast, you know, Naomi, I was never a fan with to begin with. I thought a lot of her dialogue was was weak. I thought her whole point of being in the film and they, they kind of went halfway and I'm not just any double O, I'm double O seven. That whole I I just didn't like her to begin with. She hasn't gotten worse for me, she hasn't got better, she's just been eh. She was to me, if you take her out of the film, you don't notice. You don't notice if she's not in there. Q, I think I think Q's always good. I still like Ben Winshaw's Q. I think he's very good. I, I I don't. He hasn't gotten better. He hasn't gotten worse. He was what he was, and he helps explain things and make things better. And they try to tidy up the plot holes that are there. So Q is fine. M, I didn't really like to begin with. I don't like his snarling. He doesn't do it well. He seems petulant more than domineering. 
You know, he seems bratty more than domineering. I, I want my men, my M, to be gruff and to and to have that present. Like, oh, oh, damn! This dude is means business. Whereas with Ralph Fiennes, I kind of feel like hey, he's just he's petulant more than intimidating. So, eh, whatever. It, he hasn't gotten worse. He hasn't gotten better for me. I hope that Ralph Fiennes doesn't come back as M. I want a new M. I, I kind of want this whole supporting cast to go. I liked, um, I like the, I like uh, M or uh, <clears throat> Miss Money Penny. I, th- I think she does fine, but for the most part, I'm, I'm done. Uh, Leia Sadu, this again, she was, she was good for what she was. She was better in this movie than she was in Spectre. Still hasn't gotten worse. Her, her plot line has, ugh, I, I'll get into that later, but her herself and what she did with the character and what she did with the role and, and her whole plan. She's, she didn't get better. She didn't get worse for me. She's fine. The other thing that didn't really get worse or better for me, because I didn't really like it to begin with, again, the style. I'm not really big into the sartorial aspect. I'm not the sartorial guy in the community. But for me, I like the Tom Ford suit, and I like the um, sweater. I like the sweater because I have it. I really enjoy that look. Other than that, I thought the style that he wore was was not very good. I, that that jacket in Norway, uh, even the Matera suit, a lot of what he picked just doesn't work for me. The sunglasses don't work. The watch is great, you know. Um, that the watch I might actually put that as gotten better, as something that I, I I desire more. You know, I'm kind of picking, I'm picking what I'm gonna have for my graduation watch. So we'll see. It's either gonna be the No Time to Die watch or maybe the uh, uh, Skyfall one. I haven't just ordered the Quantum of Solace. So it's down to those three. So those three things. But as far as the style goes, I mean, it hasn't. Got, I didn't really like it to begin with, and it hasn't gotten worse for me. It hasn't gotten better. I just found No Time to Die, Daniel Craig style was not that great. Um, and with the exception of the suit and the sweater. So those are the two things. Now, the look also, what hasn't gotten better or worse, the look of the movie. I liked the movie to begin with. The look of it, the way it was shot, the cinematography, some of the entrance things, especially when they make entry into the science lab and steal um, the, the virus. I thought that that was really good. Very well shot, beautifully shot. Hasn't gotten worse, hasn't gotten better for me, hasn't really changed. I, I, I liked it to begin with, I still like it now. Now, what's gotten worse? Uh, Rami Malek's character, it, it, it just keeps getting worse. They can maybe save it if they try to bring him back in Bond 26 or talk, talk about where his family comes from or go back in time and, and revisit what they have because they obviously can't go forward because they killed him. Um, but I just really can't stand Rami Malek's character. I can't stand what they did with it. They had an idea, and then they just were half in, half out. And, you know, there was so much more to be fleshed out with Blowfield that they didn't really need to bring another character. But I really think, again, they just couldn't afford Christoph Waltz. What's gotten worse is Blowfield. That scene with Blowfield when he goes, Die, Blowfield. I, I see that, and it's now become cringeworthy for me. I can't even stand watching it. I just find everything they did with that whole scene, they kept him sitting down. He never even stands up. He has no presence. He's just sitting there talking. And dear James, I, Blowfield for me, huge miss, huge letdown. If you're going to just do that to Blowfield and just kill him so nonchalantly like a throwaway character, don't even introduce him. Just keep him as an omnipresent somewhere else. That whole Cuba scene, my birthday, all the Spectre agents there, that whole scene was just... It, it keeps getting worse for me. The plot, the plot from the minute he puts her on the train. Okay, so she's supposed to be bad, 
and blown up inspector, but you don't think for one second maybe it wasn't Leia Sadu. You threw away your whole life for this, and now you instantly are throwing her on a train. You'll never see me again. You don't take the time to, hey, maybe figure out what's going on. You spent your entire career as this agent, and now you just don't even care to find the answers anymore. You just throw her on a train and say bye-bye. It doesn't make any sense, and from there on out, it keeps getting worse. Felix Leiter, horrible. I can't stand the way they do Felix Leiter. I think that Jeffrey Wright is great in other things. This movie, absolutely terrible, and he keeps getting worse. And when uh, Logan Ash kills him, I, th- for me, that's when the movie falls off a complete cliff. When I try to rewatch this movie, I can watch it up until the scene where Logan Ash kills Felix Leiter and that whole scene and then from there on I feel the movie falls off a cliff it just loses any fun it's no longer fun it's no longer enjoyable I don't want to watch this anymore I don't enjoy any of this now it becomes this sad depressing uh, melancholy just funeral of a movie for the rest of the time and I can't stand any more of it the the feel of it and Bond himself I, I think this is maybe the worst Bond incarnation except for Maybe I say this all the time. I say everything besides a view to a kill. <laughs> if everyone knows how much I hate a view to a kill, view to a kill is literally the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Not just in any, literally maybe the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. And I just, but other than that, this may be the worst I've ever seen Bond look. He looks sad. He looks weak. He looks whiny. He doesn't have, there are times in nowhere when he, he does look kick-ass and when he does the Matera, he looks kick-ass. But when he has dialogue and Daniel Craig goes ahead and is Daniel Craig rather than James Bond, you can just see, and I say this all the time, I like what Daniel Craig did with the movies, and but the more influence he got over what Bond looks like, he became more and more like Daniel Craig and he became more and more of, of a wimp. And I always say this, Daniel Craig, I think in real life, would be painful to hang out with. I think he would be absolutely painful to hang out with as a a person. I like what he did with Bond. Just my feeling of what it would be like to hang out with Daniel Craig would would just be awful. And I think that this kind of seeped into it. And you can kind of see where he wants to be art house. And he wants to show that he's an actor, not that he's an action star. Or that he doesn't want to be Bond. He wants to be Daniel Craig the thespian. And it just came out in this movie. I think that this is the worst I ever like to see Bond. I don't ever want to see Bond like this. It's, he's just weak and whiny. And he ugh, he just gets to be too much. And even the way his hand movements. And he gets to be so ugh, flamboyant like almost in the way he, he moves. He's no longer James Bond. He is Daniel Craig. And I just hated this car- incarnation of James Bond. Uh, the plot, again, the whole thing, start to finish... I don't get it. The the villains plot, the virus, the there's so many leaps that you have to take. I'll, I'll take the leaps for some things. Uh, Skyfall asks you to take a lot of leaps. And it's not until you watch it several times that you realize how many leaps Skyfall makes you take um, in order to enjoy it. But the movie's so good and so well done, you, you forgive so much of the things. And a lot of the old movies, too, I, I give deference to. But this was just a self-aggrandizing, narcissistic mess to me. I, that's the way I. That's the way I would view No Time to Die. It was just narcissistic from the way that Daniel Craig portrayed him, for the way that the movie came out, 
it was just self-serving to me for Daniel Craig. I feel that was this his movie. This was Barbara Broccoli trying to be art house. They tried to be take themselves so seriously, and they took themselves way, way, way too seriously in this movie. And in the end, you get a very sad feeling movie. You look at what we've come out with a lot of the other 2022 movies and, and things that have subsequently come out. A lot of it is a lot more upbeat. Top Gun came out and everyone has just been raving about that. And it's just been an absolute phenomenal movie. And it kind of shows you what you want from the action films. And you see the previews for MI, I think it's 7 now. And you see the stunts and you see the action and just the, you know, the machismo that's coming out. And then you look at, you see No Time to Die. And it's got this melancholy, art house, drama, whiny, take itself, take yourself so seriously it's become unwatchable for me. For me, I, I, I kind of knew it was going to be the first time I watched it. I thought it was always going to be hard to rewatch, and it's even harder for me to rewatch now. And, you know, it, my life has changed, too. I, I think that even when I first started into No Time to Die, and, you know, I was a police officer for a long time, a detective, and then I, I'm no longer that. And I've been out for, for a couple months now, probably not actually doing it for eight, nine months now. And... It just feels like at the time I was in kind of a, you know, it's almost like getting out of a bad relationship, right? Like an abusive relationship. You're out and you didn't realize how dark it had gotten. And it almost feels like bringing No Time to Die is almost going back to that. So much of what I'm going to do with this podcast going forward. And, and I, when I first started this podcast in 2020, I thought you could have discussions and I thought you could have discourse and, and a little bit have conversations. But I think now... It's such a lost cause and it's become so negative and everything's so negative and it's so dreary now that when I first started this, I kind of wanted to get into discussion, maybe do something more. And now I, I want to be completely devoid of it. I want I want to get rid of all negativity. I don't even want to deal with it anymore. And I think that it's a lot of that as getting out of the cesspool that was my career at the time and moving on, becoming a human being again. And uh, I think that I just want all of that out of my life. And No Time to Die is a representation of that negative, sad, delving into depression when really I just want to go back to having fun and going out there and doing cool stuff and, you know, Bond being a badass and being all the things that we wish he was, you know, and all the things that we fell in love with what he did for so long that has changed and morphed over the last couple of years, the last decade. And to me, it's become, it's become too much. And it just, it almost takes me back to that same sad, dark place. And I don't want to be there anymore. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't even want to do it on this podcast. Like I'll still talk about certain things, but going into curtain issues or going into these things anymore, I, I'm, I'm exhausted from it. And I don't want to do it again. And I feel that when I go to try to watch No Time to Die, I have those same melancholy, sad feelings trying to go through it and trying to get through it. And then he dies at the end and makes such a big performance out of him dying. And it's supposed to be this great, amazing thing. And I just, that's not what I want out of my Bond films. I just, I enjoy, and I find myself, I go back to either Brosnan's or Connery's now, really. I mean, if I'm going to rewatch something or if I want to put something on in the background or I want to just have a night where I just relax and decompress, it's going to be a Dr. Doctor no, it's going to be a Thunderball. It's going to be something like that. It's not going to be a Connery anymore, unless it's Quantum or uh, or Casino, really. So that's my overall feeling of No Time to Die. And I put up a, you know, I was feeling these things, and I put up a poll on my Instagram. It says, since No Time to Die, 
you know, how and seeing the movies of 2020, how do you guys feel? Has have you liked it less? Have you liked No Time to Die less, or Long Time to Die gotten better for you? And it was about a 60 40 split. People saying that they actually like No Time to Die less now than they did even before. And when I put up a No Time to Die poll before for my listeners, most people didn't really like No Time to Die to begin with. So I think that this has really gotten to be the point where No Time to Die, as time goes on and you look at it, you'll appreciate for for what it was, for the time it was in. But is it going to be one of the classics? No, it's not going to be rewatched. There's a certain couple of people or a certain, you know, subset that really, really, really enjoyed the movie, but most of the, most of the, the Bond fans, I find, did not like it, and they hate it even more now than they did at the time. So it'll be interesting. Let me know what you guys think. Give me some feedback about what you guys feel about No Time to Die. It's been almost a year. Where does it sit for you guys? How does it feel to you guys? And what are your thoughts now uh, when you try to rewatch it? 